All right, we are live, Mike. Hey, how we doing, Frank? Doing well, man. How you doing? Good. Good to see you. Same Another year. week. Another week of perspective shift. Right? New broadcast. Yeah. Uh, something fresh and, and fun for this week. Anything, yeah, definitely. <laughs> anything on the books you got planned? Uh, for this week? I don't know. Karen's got that procedure going on, so oh, yeah? somehow I got sucked into helping that out. I didn't realize I was involved, but... Hey, Karen, I'm just joking. I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> In it together, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All is one. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's what we're awesome. Here for. Yeah. Uh, what What should we uh, dive into tonight? Well, let's go down to the um, like the understanding of like what we're talking about here is like awakening. Okay. And I want to let people know that um, awakening is something that's happened throughout history. It continues to happen. I, I don't want to be as smug as to say, oh, we're at the, you know, a lot of people will say, we're at the height of awakening. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you're here and you're talking about it. Well, and everything's now. now. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's true. I just know from my perspective and my personas in which I've um, measured over my lifetime, what I call my lifetime since 1967 um, to the present day, I had a multitude of personas that I shifted and molded and try to work within the field of what's so, social settings wanted me young to do frankie yeah, teenage frankie, angst yeah, yeah, frank yeah, yeah. once then, while you know, i'm frankie yeah. then frank then francis you're a brother you're a cousin you're an uncle yeah you're so, a father. yeah there's a multitude of um personas that i had so when i when i look in you know to the understanding of where i am and where people are um i realize i can only review the personas i have and match them up to these uh different perspectives and understandings i have and these perspectives are something that have been said throughout millennia. They're, they're not new. Um, you know, the Bible has it. The Bhagavad Gita has it. Um, the Quran. You know, any any type of literature that came from, written from wise Scripture. people. Scripture. Yeah, again, now we're not taking it from the vantage point. We're just looking historically. I'm not telling people how to think about it, what religion. Yeah, that, that's up doesn't to every individual. No, it doesn't matter. It's up to every individual. Yep. But yet we know when you look at it just from a plain setting, you, you cross-reference it. They all have some value that actually is the same. There's an underlining. Yeah. Then yeah. we're all talking about the same thing. Here That's what we're getting at. Yeah, differently. Yeah. So, you know, um, so where do, where did we come into this place and start to get miscombobulated, to so to speak? And it was an analogy I was just talking to you about earlier of like the analogy of hide and seek. Okay. Now, Al Alan Watts has used this term before. I'm going to use it a little different um, because I'm not Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. But... Um, so it's almost like when we were children, and what I mean to say is every human being has innate ability, innate understanding to know what empirical truth is. Whether they utilize it or, or pull it out or trust it, that's what we're coming in to know. Well, one thing about empirical truth, too, I, Frank, so this is something you learn like as a kid, you know, when your mom or your dad's talking to you. And I remember my mom would say this to me growing up, like, if it doesn't feel right, you need to walk away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in any given situation. When Except you're talking for my about dad was hit me with the belt. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't walk away. I was strapped out to the floor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just joking, Dad. We, he's, he's we nice have guy. that innate feeling. It's You know if something's off. <clears throat> you got, you know, you, you get into a weird situation, you, you know, uh, whatever. In a neighborhood, you feel uncomfortable. There's just all these different things that kind of go off in you, and that's what Frank's talking about when he says an innate truth. We know when truth is truth because we can kind of feel it. Yeah, and every and that's why um, one could say, um, what what is empirical truth? That all truths are true. 
But individually, you'll know what truth is right for you at the moment in time. I know, like, the news will try to sell you what actual truth is, you know. But Science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even, even science is perspective. Like, the but that's, scientists, that's where it go- comes yeah, from, you know. Exactly. But we actually, so we start to dive into this and start to, like, um, start to look at it differently. And what I mean is it's a complete shift. It's like taking two items, like a carriage and a horse. So the carriage and the horse are items we're familiar with. But if you place the carriage in front of the horse, the horse can still push the carriage. But the thing is, your, your job then in that is to make sure that the carriage is lined up and the horse is pushing it. So you're actually not on either vessel, the horse or the carriage. You're literally, your job becomes this laborious act of making sure the wheels are straight, there's no rocks in the way, and the horse can push it. Once it deviates, you have to stop the horse, line the carriage back up. So there is movement there. There is something going on. It's not like you're up against walls, nothing happening. So there is a reason why we continue down that road. But one day as you're doing this, uh, another villager from another town, another village came through, and they were riding the horse and buggy. But the difference here is the horse was in front of the buggy, and the person was on the carriage controlling it, but the effort was a lot less. They weren't having to push, recalibrate. They were just moving it. Now, to the person that ever seen that, it would almost be like seeing a Martian. Like, you wouldn't know what to think of it. Um, so you might not even see it. You might let it pass you by. But once we start to gravitate that, like, oh, my God, that becomes the imperial tr- empirical truth. Then you learn to keep the horse in front of the carriage. But if you were always putting the carriage in front of the horse, it might not be as easy to just stop and do that. You might question, hey, sir, uh, what, what's going on here? Well, if you put the horse in front of the carriage, it pulls you. Well, and, and when Frank's saying the horse in front of the carriage, that's us trying to control everything world. in life. Exactly. That's us trying to, if this situation doesn't happen, then this won't work out. I got to do this, this, and this tomorrow. Otherwise I won't be successful a year from now. All of this control is putting the carriage in front of the horse and pushing it. Yes, you're going to make minimal movement in the direction you prefer yeah. in life. However, if you were to let go, completely let go at that point, just like water, path of least resistance begins to flow. And so you uh, uh, put your attention where you would like to see uh, the outcome or your preference, and then you must let go of how that, mu- how that is to happen. Yeah, because there is a sense, like people are like, well, why do we have the feeling of control? Well, we do have the control of how we perceive and how we feel about the outside world, but we don't have control of the outside world. And when you look at it this way, it's like, hey, if my inner world produces the outside world, well, so does everybody else's. So there's so much coming at it. Like if I'm in a world by myself, I control the inner world and the outer world completely. But if I had no other feedback from anything else, I would, I would just created a box and lived in it my whole life. So when other people project their visions of inward onto the outside world, you have the ability to perceive it in a preferential way or a non-preferential way. So that's where the empirical truth or choice comes from, I should say. So you do have control, but you don't have control of the outside world. So the outside world would be the carriage. The inside world would be the horse. So when you're on the carriage and the horse is in the front, you're controlling the horse with the reins effortlessly. But when you actually have the carriage in front of the horse, 
oh my god you had to you had to control the horse you had to control the carriage and what happened is when the carriage went out of whack which is the outside world in this analogy the horse would go out of whack so you had to stop the horse then you had to realign it because the horse kept wanting to push it and then it was making it worse so we go inward we actually control the horse or we go in we control how we feel and perceive the outside world and as we understand when you actually can say anything is good or everything is good that puts you in a preferential place then all possibilities are available and then you'll find it's easy to move well how do I know if everything is possible how do I know what to choose well I we all came here with a signature signature frequency which has a a probability attached to it. And we've talked about probabilities before. Probability is a movement of energy in a direction that's already somewhat solidified. And if it continues in that path, this is where you're going to end up or continue going. So, like, I've probably heard me use the analogy. Um, you know, if I'm on I-8, which is um, going across from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm heading west into San Diego, and it's the month of July because, you know, here in Arizona it's rather hot, and you're moving west and you're going through Yuma, which is the last city in the state of Arizona, and you're doing 100 miles an hour, the probability is you're going to end up in, in a place called San Diego. That's where a lot of Arizonans go. So you can look at that. Is it possible to go to France? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not probable that's where you're going. So we all came here with a signature frequency, and everyone's is uh, different in what they're going to choose, what line to go down. And if you sit quiet, and go inward, it will lead you in that probability. So, yes, you don't have to worry. It's like when I go to an Italian restaurant, I don't have to worry about the wonton soup. Bless you, Mike. Excuse me. That's okay. We'll edit that out. We just did. <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah. Hey, Didn't mean to sorry. cut you off. This is, this is a real show. Just so present, I had to sneeze. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so... This innate ability, we all know we're actually coming to do it. But again, it's kind of like the game of hide and seek. And what I meant is the analogy is when we were young children, in infants up till toddlers, we already knew this without the intellectual understanding of, of expressing it. Then somehow when we gained the intellectual ability, that's when we closed our eyes, counted 10 where everyone else hid, and then we had to search for it again. And then... As an individual searching for the four friends um, that are out hiding, as they find each one, it's like a simple awakening. Now, it could be one friend. It could be ten friends. I'm just, just use four because that's what came off the top of my head. But as we get to the sequence, when you actually find all your friends, in this analogy, that's when you get back to the childlike state where you actually seek inward to express outward, not outward allowing the inward to react or resp uh, react to the outside world in a negative response oh my god it's raining out what does that mean well i can't go out and play so i feel bad but who said who told you to feel bad well i can't go out and play it's way out no i get that but why is that bad because it's good to be outside and play why is it bad to be inside and play so you start to ask these questions you're like wow you know i might prefer to be outside over inside but why do you prefer to be outside oh I must be inside to have a preference of outside you can't be hungry un unless you are full 
You can't be tired unless you're awake. Because we live in this duality world of physics, ups and downs, you, when you learn to accept everything, it doesn't mean that the world's going to grab you by the tail and spin you. No, you're in control of the perception of it. You're in control of the direction. I'm in control of whether I go to San Diego or to France. No one's going to take that away from me. But if I get distracted and I put the carriage in front of the horse, someone could easily suggest high, highly for me to go to France. I'll end up there, and I'm like, why am I here? You know? Because people have been led down the path from other people telling them what to do. And, and that's a path that a lot, and when we say that, like, what Frank's talking about is oh I've been led down that path yeah, a lot well I mean there's <laughs> then, then when you get the different you ideas you know whatever groups we all try to attach to these things and think oh this is where I'll find my salvation this is where I'll find my peace and what we're all looking for we already are and yeah. wh- what we're seeking we already have and so the, the ideas of, you know, uh, oh, I must be a Buddhist, I must be a Christian, I must be a this, none of those will bring you what you're looking for. Because, again, we already have it. And so putting these labels on things is very much so what the mind does. Mm-hmm. We live in this mind-made self. So it's, oh, I'm this, I'm that. Um, who was it? I forgot who. Somebody said, I think it was Eckhart Tolle who said, Describe yourself without using past tense or future tense. Yeah. And I love that because yeah, that truly pre- captures what we're talking about. Yeah, because when you're present, because you, I think about that. When you're present. How? how? You, you can't. You can't because when you're present and someone says, tell me about yourself. Well, presently, I was like, oh, I'm sitting in front of a mic with a glass of water in front of me. Well, I think we all can agree, uh, listeners, everyone, the past does not exist. Plain and simple. We all kind of know that, you know, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, you know, whatever. The past is something of the past. Yeah, you can attach yourself to it, but truly it doesn't exist. Same thing goes for the future. Yeah, we know, oh, I can make plans and all this, but we also know you could have a heart attack in 10 minutes and be gone. Yeah, but then 10 minutes doesn't exist either. Exactly. So there's no future. There's no past. All we have is this moment. So how are you going to define yourself, who you are, by two things that don't exist? You can't. And that's what Frank and I are getting at. We want you to see the world as it is. And when we say as it is, it means no meaning assigned to it. Uh. Well, so like, and again, we're not here to to disassociate from time and measurement because what is time time is nothing but a calibration measurement so when you're looking at the outside world that we created from the inside we utilize time as a measurement but when i close my eyes there is no time you know think about when you go to bed first thing you do is you look at the clock because you're unaware of the time so you're like oh i'm not late you know um but when you go inward there is no time because there's nothing to measure you already that. But that being said, we came to express our inward, outward. So the outward world has a figure, is a three-dimensional um, uh, f- uh, physics to it. But then there's one of time in the fourth dimension. And it's, what is time? Time is like, people, it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing different than a, a, a tape measure. It's a measuring device. There's nothing wrong with it, but we ought not to live by it. It's a measuring device, period. 
one that could say, so, you know, from this time to that time, it's a measuring device. But 1929 is not why the market crashed. <laughs> it just happened to be on 1929 when the market crashed. But it wasn't the cause of it. It was just a measurement of it. Just like me measuring um, an eight-foot piece of lumber isn't what created the eight-foot piece of lumber. So we, we often think that the measurement is created. Oh, oh, time is what's making me old. I'm like, time is a measurement. It didn't make you old. Your frequency of perception onto moving forward and buying into stuff. And, and oh, by the way, why is old bad? Well, I, I don't get it. If you were same age all the time, it would be somewhat grueling. You ever see that movie, uh, Interview with a Vampire? No. <laughs> Interview so, with a Vampire? Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually a very good movie. It had um, Tom Cruise in it, Brad Pitt. And so they were, they were both vampires. And then there was a young girl that, was, I forgot her age, but like 10, 10 or 12 years old. And the irony is, is here is this girl that's, you know, so vampires, as we know, they don't die unless someone comes and kills them with like a wooden spike. I'm not like really up on that stuff, but you know what I'm saying. Silver bullets yeah, too, I think. That's the werewolf, right? Oh, yeah, so my yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> we're mixing up shit. There are people <laughs> out there like, you stupid bastards. Again, this is my can. Hey, someone had to make it trying. up. Yeah, someone had to make it up. So we're just we're messing trying. around. So yeah, I think a wooden stake to the heart, especially if you had a cross to it and some holy water would just melt the shit out of them. All right. But so the irony is this girl is like, I'm going to say take 200 years old. So in the mind of, of collective energy, she's very mature, but she probably can't walk into a bar and get away with drinking. Like, so she turned into a vampire at a very awkward age. Yeah, <laughs> can't even enjoy it. Yeah, so yeah, look at that. She probably wishes she was a little bit older before she was a vampire. <laughs> so we often, we often try to trademark ourselves into saying this is the best time of my life. And I'm like, I don't know that. I, you know, I don't know anything. It's like, again, I used this analogy before. <clears throat> when I'm in the middle of a movie or middle of a book, a novel, and I'm reading it, I never try to figure out. Well, sometimes at movies, but I'm always, it's not always quite the way I am. But I just sit and watch it. I don't try to figure out wh how it's going to end. Because I have to wait to the end anyway, so why bother? So now I'm holding on to this ending. It didn't come, and I'm like, <sighs> And why are you pissed? You're not pissed because it ended different. You weren't paying attention to the other half of the movie because you're looking for that thing. So here we are in life. If you, we'll know everything we need to know in its entirety in the, in the circumference or in the pact in which you lived your life. That's all you'll need to know. But when you're in the middle of the book, don't try to know the rest of the book. Just enjoy it. So as we're moving forward... Uh, real quick, we should talk about that a little bit more because that's kind of where the unsatisfactoriness yeah. of life comes from is we're always trying to be like, all right, am I going to be comfortable in a year from now? Am I going to still be secure? Am I still going to be... And Do I know enough? Yeah. I shouldn't be here. I thought I'd be further. This is that kind of getting <clears throat> stuck feeling of that. Yeah. This is a bottleneck of energy. This, this doesn't allow free flow. Yep. Um, I have breaking news for everyone out there. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yes. You know everything that you need to know, and that's all you'll ever need to know in this moment. Thinking otherwise is what creates depression, and on the other time when you project into future, creates anxiety. That's Everything exactly right. you need to know is all you need to know now. Absolutely. And so that's the breaking news, by the way. 
Now breaking we, news. Now we can go back to our regular programming. <laughs> <laughs> and now back to our regular programming. Breaking no. news. <laughs> hey, if we got one thing out, that's that's good. Yeah, it is. And that, it really is. And I want everyone to contemplate because when I first heard that, I didn't just buy into it. I had to contemplate. But why I why allow me to contemplate it? Because I'm like, wow, that sounds true. But then you're like matching it up to other things in your life and your other personas and like that was the unsettlement when I was in high school. That was the unsettlement in my first marriage, amongst other things. Um. <laughs> <laughs> amongst other things. Yes. But the unsettlement was I thought I ought to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I know I need to know more. I've never said this once. I know too much. <laughs> other people. <laughs> there, I was going to say that exists. I know too much. I'm going to stop reading and listening to anything from this point forward and let the world catch up to me. No, I, I've never knew too much. I was never accused of knowing uh, too much either. But I always felt that I was lacking in knowledge. And the truth is, that was a perception that I bought into. But that's the brilliance of it. So even the people that sold me that, I don't give them ill will because they're the ones who honed me. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have focused. I would just be going five miles this way, five miles that way, five miles this way, five miles this way. Next thing you know, I spent my whole life on one block, not going anywhere. They're prodding me, teasing me, doing this. It was the greatest thing. It was almost like uh, when I was training in boxing, <clears throat> if my hands were down, my dad would whack me. He, he would, once in a while, he'd say, your hands are down. Your hands are down. That means nothing. Bam! Oh, shit, hands up. Mm-hmm. So he would literally start to hit me. And, you, you know, he would warn me, but then he would hit me. Mm-hmm. And the hitting me, the prodding me, the pushing me was what kept me focused. But I could block out his voice because he was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but when he hit me, I couldn't did. block that out. <clears throat> nope. So all of a sudden, that is what taught me to keep my hands up and forever keep my hands up. So if he never had hit me in that facet, to show me a point. So that was a great asset, not a deficiency. So I actually applaud that. Now, at the time, I was like, God, I'm going to tell him, Mom. Tell him, Mom. <laughs> Dad is <laughs> abused. Dad, stop. My mom's like, well, play tennis then, honey. <laughs> Pick up a new sport, yeah, Frankie. <laughs> but um, so as we look, as we stay in this present moment and reflect on personas that we once gravitated towards and we're like, what was wrong with that person? Nothing other than the fact that you had the carriage, the outside world as the cause of your inside world. Rather, the inside world is, is really meant to be the cause of the outside world. So the horse is meant to be pulling the carriage, not pushing the carriage. We're the, the path effect. of least resistance. Yes. The path always. Of always. Yep. And so then when you're on the carriage, you're actually controlling the horse in which direction you want to go in. Everything is you moving in unison. Now the horse, you, and the carriage become one. Other way around, it was fragmented. It was broken. Absolutely. And we are one. <clears throat> We're one. Like there's two, two hosts here, me and Mike, Mike Kitless, Frank Daly. But it's one show called Perspective Shift. Yep. Multiple but perspectives, one it. show. That's it. We got uh, two perspectives. There's not one day that Frank and I sit in these chairs and uh, 
it's anything like the the time before it. Every single time is something new. Yeah. Um, not just bit what we discuss, but just the atmosphere. Nothing is ever the same. Um, one thing that we could also chat about a little bit is uh, like impermanence. Impermanence. Nothing is permanent. Um, we get stuck as human Other beings. Other than the experience of suffering. <laughs> the, the energy field in which we come from is permanent. There you go. But I mean, like, uh, I want people world. to see yeah, that free. what you're looking for out there, you cannot find and it will never be fulfilled because nothing's permanent <clears throat> and because everything is always changing. So and find for, joy. Well, when you find joy in that, it's amazing. Because oh, I like the fact that my car gets sold so I can get a new one. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I like that perspective. Yeah. No, but like. What Frank and I are are talking about is um, being comfortable with or resting in knowing the impermanence and recognizing it because mm-hmm. so Frank and I won't often give like ultimatums, but I think we can both very much so or I shouldn't say ultimatums. That's probably not the best words like definites. Um, yeah, or, we yeah, don't or know. black and white because things aren't black and white in life. No, but um, I can confidently and comfortably say, and I don't know if you may agree with this, but um, you cannot and will not find any fulfillment in the outside world that no. you're looking for, ever. No, the outside world. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, not in your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. Ever life is a do-it-yourself. Uh, experience yeah because what is fulfillment fulfillment's within and then the outside world is the expression of fulfillment but when you get to the outside world expression it's a mere carbon copy no amount of money no and no you, amount of fame yeah and think about this so you look at all like you know, i'm going to use michelangelo we I, and i've used this analogy before when you look if you if you happen to have the experience to go into a sistine chapel or not you could Watch it on. You can, there's photos everywhere. You can watch uh, videos on it. You don't necessarily need to be there but to understand what I'm going to explain. So when you look up at the ceiling to Sistine Chapel, all right, most people are amazed at the logistics or the physics of how he must have done this. Like they talk about this, but when they look at the painting, it's really nice. But yet, if you can actually understand the energy field that Michelangelo had to be in every day when he got on the scaffolding in, the scaffolding in the Sistine Chapel, that is the fulfillment. Once the paintbrush hit the ceiling, that was a carbon copy of the fulfillment. So that is a, it's like a poster of the original. Every human being so we have fulfillment in us. We oh, picture yourself. Now, whether we continue and carry out the fulfillment, like I can picture myself going someplace. And if I then open my eyes and streamline myself in that direction, I will make it to this place. And that is just an expression of a fulfillment. And it continues. And even that gets old, right? Like once Michelangelo was done painting the Sistine Chapel, he didn't do a a brush drop, like a mic drop. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. No, it's never like, again. Yeah. I'm sure when he, right when his last stroke, he I'm probably out. looked up and you know, his neck was probably a little stiff. He probably looked down and started yelling at the Pope. Hey, leave me. I'm done. You, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. And then the next day he probably like, Oh, what am I going to do next? Cause a new story comes in. And what happens is 
the idea creates this energy field and the energy field starts to build and then the outside world is the expression of the doing. So the outside world is nothing but an expression of our collective conscious. So when you look at the outside world and don't like it, I'm like, okay, you don't like it. That's good. They're like, what do you mean that's good? How I don't like something that's not good. Now it could show you to shift perspective, sh shift direction, and off of that you'll start to perceive something you like. Well, and let's go in on this. So when Frank says shift the perspective, we do not mean, oh, fill your head with ideas of I'm doing great, I'm happy, I'm the best. We're no, not saying that's not even that's, 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 that's not true. Yeah. That's like heading towards yeah, the but, cliff. But some people are like, saying, oh, I gotta think positive. And like new no, age people no, out there are no. say, you yo, you gotta just put something else. That that's equivalent that. to driving on a road and you could see the cliff. And saying and telling yourself, there's a road, and the, and the person next to you is like, no, there's a cliff. But if you make a right or left, it's a continuous road. So shifting perspective would be making a right or left prior to hitting the cliff into the canyon. But thinking that in the physics world, if you kept going straight, that the road will meet you below. It will, but it's way below into the canyon, and you're not going to survive that. So it's not about a delusional experience, like it, fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's not what we're trying to tell you. Yeah. What we're really getting at is... Learning to accept everything as it is. Yeah. That feeling you have, uh, let's say you feel unworthy. Let's say you feel uh, depressed. Let's feel, say you feel shame. Accept that. Yeah. Be with that. Recognize it as, okay, I see this feeling. Yeah. I see this emotion. If I can see this emotion and recognize this, I can't be that. Yeah. Then you realize, oh, wait, I'm aware of this feeling and I'm aware that this is an identity I've created. Yeah. I've created pain. I've held on to suffering. And this identity is not who I am. And the brilliance of this, there's this physics behind acceptance. And it doesn't mean putting up with. Sometimes people get mixed up with that. <clears throat> when I accept where I'm at, there's this power that overcomes us. It's called the power of paradox. When I finally say, you know what, if I don't make it there, I'm okay. And what happens is you're, you're actually letting go of the outside world, and all of a sudden you're coming into a more neutral state. Your body's starting to calm it down. You're getting into a high amplitude of energy. And then you can see the way to where it is you want to go. So when you accept something, you literally fall into this field of power of paradox. When you don't worry and concern yourself with money, watch how much money comes in tune into what you want to do. But when you fight and push against money and, and hold on to it, a million dollars could come, but then a million dollars goes. This is really how it works. It's, you know, the, you know we, we understand this at the very essence. Why? Because when we started using money, there's a word universally we use for it. And what's the word? Currency. There you go. And what does a current do? It energy continuously moves try grabbing onto it it will flee. no one's this is ever why you, you got to keep your money moving in the markets and you well, know you can't keep it in a bank yeah you money makes money yeah it's, that's 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 a game it is an energy yeah that's a game mm -hmm. but that's just a a pawn in the game like in other words you know in tennis they have a tennis ball and football they have a football so it's different games you can play that game you can play this game but we're talking about inner inner sanctity inner peace that the universe 
whether you invest in the stock market or not, the universe will provide regardless. Always. But it, but it always provides based on the field of energy you're in. So if you feel like a bum, the universe is going to provide bum-like status. <laughs> and that's it, though. Money is a frequency. Money is a re- representation of a frequency. Yeah. It's actually itself. If you look at the paper, it's a frequency of paper mm-hmm. in the material and the ink that's on it. But money represents, uh, and it's an outward representation of energy. Mm-hmm. But what, what is a true energy? Because how many, how many times have people obtained things without actually the exchange of money? Oh, you know, a lot of people. Are. Quite often. Yeah. You know, on your birthday. Ooh, I got a gift. I didn't have to exchange anything. I just had to been born 10 years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> Easiest <laughs> oh 25 bucks I've That's ever why made. kids can't wait for their birthday until they Thank realize. Thank grandma. Well, I can have a birthday and get a job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And now that you have a job, I won't give you money for your birthday. Shit. <laughs> I'm going to be a socialist and stay home with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these are all games that we all can play. They're all games. And one isn't bad than the other. They're just different. But when you actually look at them from the carriage and the horse perspective, and then you flip it and put the horse in front of the carriage, you're still on the same path. You're still taking the journey. But now you're actually enjoying Because when I'm on the carriage, I could look around. The horse and the buggy are doing the work. But when I was on the ground trying to align the buggy so the horse can push it, there was no looking around. There was no looking around other than the ground for rocks to, to prevent deviation of the wagon. What, uh, what was the, um, like you personally, Frank, what, what allowed you to accept it, it was incrementally. It wasn't like this one big thing. Um, w- one thing I could say that made me question was, you know, when I was 20, uh, my brother passed away. He died in a car accident at 18. That made me question everything, but I didn't wake up that very next day. You know, it wasn't like, you know, that. I got angry. I, I got pissed. And then I had to question everything. Because before that, I wasn't really questioning everything. But even early on as a kid, the stuff the teacher were feeding me, I would get aggravated, but I realized I had the ability to quickly drop it. That didn't bother me. Is once I get out of here, my grades won't matter. I knew that without intellectualizing it. I never had the ability to yell at a teacher. And I wish I did. You know, like, like, oh, I wish I knew to say that. And I'm like, to what end? Like, you're going to debate a teacher? Come on. I'm like, it, it's pointless. Isn't it so funny how our egos do that? Yeah. Like, I oh, should have said this said next this. time I'm going to yeah. say that. Yeah. Then the rest of your life, you're out there screaming shit at people before. Like, oh, there's that crazy man. He's <laughs> making up for the time past. <laughs> See, this is what Frank and I talk about. The, recognize these these narratives in your head when you're yeah. when you get that knee jerk reaction. How could this person cut me off? Do they know who I am? Do yeah. they do they know what I do? Yeah. The things we say in our heads are so ridiculous, guys. And it's um it's funny <laughs> because we play so tough and so seriously, like uh, the way we look at ourselves, you know, each day, and you know, and go about you know these daily routines in life and work career paths. Um, dating, all this. We define ourselves by these experiences that are being manipulated by how we feel. But th- those are already, so those are already expressions of the fulfillment on the outside world. Well, we're living karma. Yeah. Karma is action. Karma, you know, action. Yeah. And that's if you're actually out there. But when you go in, inward, 
you're creating the experience outward so karma doesn't exist. Now you're in the state of grace. Well, see, I love that. And so yeah. this is one thing that I wish Buddhism talked about more. So Buddhism, they talk about suffering, and I love it because they really well, get you to help understand they, they do, suffering. Christianity has a sector that talks about suffering. Oh, no, well, I yeah. don't mean suffering in the Christianity aspect. I well, mean uh, in, the, in the Buddhist aspect, totally like Christians, it's kind of like you should suffer. You want like, well, no, Buddhism is yeah, like some, bring your attention to the suffering and understand you can separate from this. Yeah. The thing that Buddhism doesn't touch on, though, that I wish they kind of did was well, that's why the world here, that right? it creates. Yeah. yeah. And, and the environment, because not enough of that is explained, I feel like, in Scripture. It's well, just a knowing and a feeling that comes. But when people first hear about it or read it and they see it, they're like, man, that's a lot about pain and suffering. Yeah. If, you read, <laughs> if, you, if you read between the lines, you could draw whatever. I think what happens is it's the explanation that others give to us that draws to it. So like, so you look at Christianity, you got Christ um, who died in two different ways within a three-day period. One was through the major suffering of uh, the crucifixion. The other one was ascension. Um, so when he came back, and again, whether people believe this actually historically happened or not, that's not when he had a debate. I'm yeah. talking about the, the, the metaphor, the analogy for it. So humans can suffer on um, one of the most suffering things on the cross, or you can literally ascend. Now, um, I haven't met anyone that just ascended in front of me. Like, I'm done. And I'm not talking about suicide. That, that's, that's taking the, the cross into the grave. Um, I'm talking about this, you know, like, simply done smiling and you evaporate into the way we understand it. Your molecules move so quickly that your, your physiology of your body, kind of like on the, on the Enterprise, when they beam somebody up, they would show them as a solid figure and they would show them, show them um, their, their breakdown and they end up on the Enterprise or wherever it is they were going. And that, again, is a human expression of it, just like the white man, the beard is God. No, nah, that was Michelangelo's or Leonardo da Vinci's way of expressing that, but that was the image they had at the time. And they used that. Why did they use that image? Because people could relate to it. It wasn't they were trying to convince you that God was this white guy with a beard, but they were talking to people in certain regions of the world that would relate to it. So it's relatable information, but you have to look beyond that. Because that's not it. And they themselves will tell you that's not it. So there's something else going on. So all these stories that people over time, whether it was Buddhism or Christianity, it's not that they got it wrong. It's all they could, had at the time in which they were doing it. Uh, and remember we talked about this last time? I think it was before our talk. And he said, I just want to get to a point where I could fully explain it. I'm like, yeah, but then we would have no more show. <laughs> we ought not, that I'll never fully explain this. Because I don't even fully understand it. There are moments when I get, like, if I'm reading a chapter and I finish a chapter, I understand the chapter in the book to an extent in which I'm supposed to understand it based on the authors wanting me to understand it at that moment. Oh, my God, what happened to Mike? I'm like, well, if you, if you were supposed to know, you would know. <laughs> so don't worry about it, you know? And that's the present moment I'm talking about. If you need to know, you would already have known. You ever watch a movie with someone? Hey, what's going? Did I miss something? Mm -hmm. No, you didn't miss anything. You're not supposed to know. The author or the creator of it didn't want you to know just yet, but you will know. Just keep continuing down the road, and it will come. And that's what life is. Life is this place that we come into, that we experience. The path is already done. How we go down the path, though, 
This is where perspective shift comes in. We can choose whether we crawl, walk, cry, laugh, roller skate, hopscotch, pogo stick. <laughs> I don't choose pogo stick. Rocket. Po- pogo stick and like unicycle. Yeah, like, there you who go. the hell invented those? Some lonely bastard. <laughs> oh, there, I'm, I'm, look at me. I'm, I'm already uh, shifting my perspective into an <laughs> Ill, Ill form. Excuse me to all those pogo stick and unicycle people. <laughs> we like your style. I love that style. Yeah. You try to pick up a girl on a unicycle. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil Dunphy yeah. style from Modern Family. That's what that yeah. reminds me of. That's for someone that doesn't want to date. It's a unicycle. But anyway, you get the point. <laughs> so the, the path is there. It's almost like the book is there. If I read a book and Mike reads the same book, we're going to have different expression. But the actual book itself, the words did not change in the copy he had read from the copy I read but the expression what we get out of it. And then later on, when me and Mike will, will discuss the book, I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't look at it that way. And Mike, well, oh, wow, I didn't look at it that way. So then our individual expansion continues, even though we read the book once. It continuously continues by these type of subjects. But will we ever get to the crux of what we're talking about? And the answer is hell no. It's like an eyeball trying to see it its own eye. Yeah, without a mirror, it's impossible. So now that you know it's impossible, stop it. And that's where the Buddhists come in. Mm-hmm. Go forth and have no desire. Mm-hmm. It's impossible not to have desire. Because that upon itself is a desire. And then you have to laugh. See, the thing I love about Buddhism is the wheel of life. Because ultimately what Frank and I are talking about, in, and especially when you were saying the different levels of awakening and just like this entire process, there <clears throat> is a, a way to get off of the wheel of life, of what we're all experiencing, what we're going through, these heaven, these hells, um, these l- realms of consciousness. Uh, there, is, there is peace. Well, check. And, and I love that knowing. So l- let's look at an actual wheel, all right? Where is the calm place on a wheel where there's no movement? It's called the hub. Well, in Buddhism, in the Wheel of Life, they actually put the three main, like, it's greed. Um, well, those are the external aspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I'm just saying in the Wheel of Life that, yeah. that we're talking about. What your analogy that you're going with is going to be a little bit different. So the hub is where, where all the spokes, if you look at a wheel, a bicycle wheel, any type of wheel that actually shoots out spokes. So the hub is a center point. So that would represent the internal world with the energy field. And then each spoke goes out to this wheel, and we call that life, supporting it at different angles. But if you want to go down and experience life, you do it from the wheel. If you want to experience peace, you do it from the hub. Even though everything's moving, the hub isn't. Everything's rolling around the hub. The hub is steady. It's a pin, a cotter pin, in something that wheels around. That remains. So living life on the wheel when it gets too much, go back to the hub. We're not here to get rid of the wheel. The three-dimensional world is about the wheel. But, when, but also, too, understand this. Each individual spoke has equal expression and equal support onto the wheel. So if you think your spoke is better than this spoke, try taking one of those spokes out because your wheel will collapse. the wheel will collapse entirely. Well, and, and for fun, let's call the, the spokes our experiences. I love talking about experience because anything you've gone through in life, you were supposed to go through. 
We act like, oh, I should never be experiencing this when we're going through tough times. Yeah, because you, yeah. Uh, I, th- how could this ever be happening you to ever, me? Th- do you ever think about all the things you've never experienced? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Try that for a, a Saturday afternoon. Everything <laughs> that you're going through at every moment was for a reason, and that's a spoke supporting you. You'll never know when 15 years from now and something happens and you save a life yeah. because of something you learned at a mediocre job that you – that was the meaning. That is the spoke of why you needed it here. So don't for a second discount anything you're going through, guys, because that's the thing. We, we dog on ourselves and we're like, oh, this isn't good because I should be doing this. And in reality, there is none of this that's better than that. It's all now. Yeah, so it that- all isness. It's all what you're assigning to it. What meaning are you assigning to this moment? Yeah, so now take what you were talking about there. So if you take um, a bicycle tire, and uh, I can't recall how many spokes are on there, but just say for argument's sake there's 30 spokes. Okay. Right? Someone out there is like, no, there's 39, you know, like whatever. 62. Yeah. So each spoke represents your experience from birth to death, if you want. There's no way of looking at it. But what happens is as you're walking up the spoke, as you get midway, you're looking at it like, I want to be just like that spoke. I want to be that spoke over there. But you, you never can be. But you realize each spoke is equal in its principle from this place. Because the wheel, if the hub is in the middle, each length or expand or um, principle is the same. If you take one of those spokes out, because in order for me to come that spoke, I have to remove my spoke. All of a sudden, the, the, the fulfillment of the wheel starts to collapse. The structure of the wheel, I mean, starts to collapse. All those spokes are purposely put there. And if you just follow it and look forth down it, you'll have what they call a path to least resistant life. Everything else is just a distraction. If you're this spoke, look at that spoke, you're going to get dizzy. Life will flow. But that will teach you not to do that. So onto itself, the distraction itself is the art of discovery is how I call it. So we are set here. So when you wake up and realize my spoke is the perfect spoke for me. I don't need to denigrate the spoke next to me or the other one on the other side of the hub facing uh, in the 180 direction for me. But we're all supporting the one wheel of life. Every human being on this planet is a spoke. We may not understand their journey from here to here, but we also realize if their journey wasn't here, the wheel of life would not be supported at all. So stop trying to take out a spoke or become a different spoke. Stop trying to control everything. Yeah, yeah. What Frank and I are talking about is letting everything be. When was the last time you rode a bicycle? Oh, man, I love riding bikes. I have a bike. Um, um, you know, I, it's got dust on the seat. <laughs> <laughs> it actually has been a while. Yeah. But uh, and you think about it, that's one of the first uh, exciting moments of our life was uh, getting a bicycle because you can Absolutely. get away from your parents really quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Get in the neighborhood. Yeah. Hang out with the neighborhood kids. Just fly around. Yeah. Yep. Freedom. Freedom. That's what we've been chasing since we were kids. We didn't know how to describe it. And what it was, and it took or what we were looking for, it was just freedom. Yep, freedom, and that's the ability to perceive anything you want when you know you can, and that's the perspective shift. That's the outlook in which we try to portray here on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Peace. See you next week.